I'm sure that some of you who have not been in the young adult study, uh, Crazy Love and Don't Waste Your Life, are maybe a little tired of hearing about it. Um, but it's been a great study. I've been changed, and I know that several of the young adults have been changed. And, um, you know, one thing you learn if you just read your Bible with average comprehension skills is if you go with God, it's not always easy. In fact, sometimes it's very costly to walk with God. As I heard a preacher say this week, it's not cheap to radically obey Jesus. And so it just seemed good to finish off. Those of you who are familiar with your Bibles, and particularly Hebrews 11, you understand how the writer finishes off that great chapter about faith. So you and I won't have cotton candy notions about what you know, Christianity is all about, they will understand that sometimes it's hard to be a Christian. Sometimes it's real hard to be a Christian. Sometimes you get sawn in two if you're a believer, as you heard the text read. So, God's a full disclosure God. He doesn't want you to not understand what you're getting into, right? And so we've been seeing the victories that God grants by faith. And now we see the temporal trials that God grants through faith. And so His power is on display when He delivers His people, right? And what's on display when He doesn't deliver His people in a temporal sense? What's, in, what's on display then? This is what we see tonight. His beauty's on display. His people don't have to be delivered. To believe Him and love Him and follow Him. We don't have to be delivered. Whatever He does is good with us. Amen? Whatever He does is good with us. He knows best. And He can do none other than what is perfect and right in your life. I don't care how hard it is. God's in it. And as we've been talking about, God will meet you in it. I just want to begin this way. Tonight, 1956, five Christian missionaries were murdered in South America. Some of you know the story. Nate Saint, Roger Udarian, Ed McCulley, Pete Fleming, and Jim Elliott. They were trying to make contact with an ancient Indian uh, jungle tribe called the Alca Indians in Ecuador. The Alcas speared and hacked the men to death. Uh, Steve Saint was only five years old. His father was one of the casualties. And he not only lost his dad, he says, I lost my hero. As you might suspect, a five-year-old would say that. Uh, but now he's in his 60s, and he, he goes around and he speaks uh, to various Christian gatherings. And uh, he was telling a group one time that God had not merely allowed the deaths of his father and fellow missionaries, but God had ordained them. Now, Afterward, a man came up to him and said, Don't ever say that about my God again. <laughs> okay? And I've been in ministry for a long time. You hear this a lot. People say, Don't say that about my God. And when you hear someone use the word my God, you understand they're almost always talking about their God. Not the biblical one, but the one they've made up. The one that exists in their imagination. Their cartoon God. Their pseudo-God. So the man said, don't say that about my 
God, and here's how Steve Saint responded. Don't anybody tell me that this can't be. If God could plan the death of His own righteous Son, why couldn't He plan the death of my Father? And you guys know the text, right? Acts chapter 2. Jesus was delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. So the Bible is clear. God gives. God takes. This is His divine prerogative. So, like almost anything else in life, we tend to interpret death in our own humanistic, fallen, sinful self-interest. We, we seldom think about death in what it really should be, which is God's business, right? Do you remember we, we talked about some months ago now about Martha and Mary and how Lazarus had died. And re, do you remember what Jesus said about the death of Lazarus? This is for... The sickness and death of Lazarus. This is for, anybody remember? This is for the glory of God. Right? My point is, death for the believer is not defeat. Amen? It is not defeat. It is the best day of your life so far. As Paul says, it is very much better to be with Jesus I love what God says in Psalm 116.15. I read this at my father's funeral. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His... How does it end? Godly ones. Okay? It's precious to God when you come home to Him. So I think we need to... You know, as Christians, Bible-believing, born-again believers, we need to rightly divide what death means and what it doesn't mean. And I think this is why Steve Saint gives glory to God in the death of his father. Saint writes, Why is it that we want every chapter to be good when God promises only that in the last chapter will He make sense of all other chapters? Listen, I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, people who profess to be Christians and then they get a little bit of a hard time in their life and it's like they're ready to bail on God, right? Well, how come this is happening to me? Why would God let this happen to me? This is not fair. Why is that always wrong to say this is not fair? Why is it always wrong? Those of you who've been here for a while, why is it not fair? Well, what's fair is that you and I were in hell yesterday. That would be fair. Let's use a biblical word. That would be just. Listen. I say this to you a lot. You're supposed to be ready when the trial comes. You don't need to get prayed up in the trial. You need to get prayed up before the trial because the trial is coming. It is coming. If you're a Christian, it's coming. It is coming. There's nothing, you know, more sure in the universe than the fact that if you are a Christian, you will be persecuted for it. Even in the West. 
<laughs> On some level, you will be persecuted for your faith. I love what MacArthur says. I've always loved this quote. I use it a lot. I've gotten out of the habit of using it. John MacArthur, famous preacher in the States. <laughs> he says, you know what? Christianity is not a run through the park with a bouquet of balloons. How many of you know this so far? It's not a run through the park with a bouquet of balloons. God never said it would be. I know the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers are preaching a lie. They say it will be if you just have enough faith, if you just believe enough. You can believe away every problem in life. God never says that. God never makes that promise. He's taking away every eternal problem you need to be concerned about. He never promises to take away every temporal one. So it seemed good to me to finish off Hebrews 11. These men and women, they weren't in it for health, wealth, and prosperity. They were in it because they loved God. And I'm just stopping to ask you, is that why you're in it? And if you're in it for any lesser reason, you're in it for the wrong reason. And when it gets hard, you know what will happen? Unless you're in it because you love God, when it gets hard, you know what will happen? You will bail on God. You, you, you will not finish with God. You will bail. So, you, you and I, okay, this, I'm always preaching to myself, we need to make sure we're, why we're in this. Is it because we love Him? with all our, whole soul, our, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is that why we're in this? It's the only way you will survive Christianity for the balance of your life. Because the persecution's coming, the heat is coming, the pressure's coming. It's coming, beloved. It's coming. So it seemed good, as I said, <laughs> to uh, finish up the Hebrews uh, 11 chapter where he begins to talk about God begins to talk about what it costs to go with the Lord. We saw in verse 1 of Hebrews, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago, we touched on it anyway, the def God's definition of faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We saw in Hebrews 11.6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. You must not only believe that He is, you must believe that He's a rewarder. So if you don't believe both of those things, you can't be a real Christian. You won't be a real Christian. If you just believe He's God, well, most of the world believes there is a God. This is no great achievement. But if you just believe God is God and you don't believe He's good, you'll, you won't, when it gets hard, you won't go with Him. You, you won't do it. God means for you to believe both of these things. He's God and He's good. And even when it looks like He's not good, And even when you can't make sense of what He's doing, He's good. This is huge, beloved. This is huge. And then, after Hebrews 11.6, so you and I can't, and you know, religious professionals can't water down what biblical faith is. He gives, I think, 16 named illustrations. He says, now, I don't want there to be any confusion. God's saying, I don't want there to be any confusion about what real faith looks like. So I'm just going to give you 16 named illustrations. This is what it looks like in the real world. Right? Hey, I'm glad if you've got your uh, you know, doctrine down. I'm glad you, 
You know, you, you can recite the catechism. That's great. It'll come in handy. But real faith is lived in the real world, beloved. Right? Real faith is lived in the real world. I'm just going to briefly do this. If you actually study Hebrews 11, you see that there's like a template laying on top of it, which is a little bit of a, uh, a progression of maturing faith. And I'm just going to quickly do this and then we'll move on. Uh, verses 7-12, through 12, we see that God initiates faith. He warned Noah, He called Abraham, and He promised Sarah. Faith is of God, right? Okay? Faith is of God. <laughs> you know, if, uh, if we understand Hebrews, uh, pardon me, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, faith, real faith, life-changing faith, born-again faith, I'm on my way to Jesus' faith is what? It's not something you gin up. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. So we see this here in Hebrews 11, 7 through 12, verses 13 to 19. We see that if real faith resides in us, as I just said, it will manifest itself in your life. It will be visible. We saw that great verse. There's no other verse like this in the Bible. God says, I am not ashamed to be called your God. People who live their faith, God says, I am not ashamed to be called your God. What an amazing, what an amazing statement. Verses 23 to 29, we see that God's people obey when it's hard. And we saw this with Moses. We talked about Moses some weeks ago. When it's hard, when it's impossible, when it's costly, when it's risky, God's people say, yes, I'm in. And tonight, as we get into verse 30 to 38, we see that even if God doesn't deliver us, He's worth it. We don't follow God just because He's powerful and He can deliver us and oftentimes will deliver us. We follow God because He's beautiful. Right? It's why I read Psalm 16. Right? In His presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forever. You know it. If you're born again, you know this is true. It's why you could go to Iraq and preach the Gospel. It's why you could go to Syria and preach the Gospel. You could do it. If God called you to do it, you could do it. Because He's better than life. What does David say? Your loving kindness is better than life. I think we talked about this verse a couple weeks ago. If you don't know that yet, you don't really have much of an understanding about what Christianity is. He is better. He is better than life. So we, as I referenced earlier, if we just do a superficial read of the Bible, we understand that the health, wealth, prosperity gospel is a sham. It's worse than a sham. It's demonic. And uh, I abominate it. So you know how I feel about it. And I, I exhort you, don't waste one minute of time reading it or listening to it. It's a stench in the nostrils of God. You know that anybody would follow Him for the blessing. You've misunderstood Christianity if you follow Him for the blessing. Why should the, why should the true believer follow God? 
Because we love Him. Hey, the blessings are great. The blessings are great, right? Praise God for the blessings. But He's our reward. He's our reward. Listen, don't let your faith or your Christianity degenerate into, I'm going to rub my genie and get my blessing. It's a false gospel. Let that man be accursed who preaches this false gospel. God is better than life. So real Christians don't follow Christ for temporal health, wealth, and prosperity. We follow Him because He's God. He's beautiful. He's desirable. He's compelling. He satisfies my soul to the core. Are you kidding? You think I care about health, wealth, and prosperity if I can have Jesus Christ? Are you kidding me? You think that interests me at all by comparison? And I'm talking about by comparison? If, if we could be tempted by that, we haven't seen Him. We don't know Him. We have no clue about who this God of the Bible is who satisfies the souls of His people. So, let me pick up here verse uh, 30. The walls of Jericho and Rahab. Now, Jericho is like, um, yeah, an impregnable city, right? I mean, you, you, it was just the most formidable obstacle for the Jews as they came into the Promised Land. And what does God say about Jericho? He says, listen, he says, listen, this one's mine, right? Here's what you need to do. You just go march around a little bit. Did they have to blow some trumpets? I'm trying to remember. They had to blow trumpets too. They walked around some, and then they shouted, right? Okay. And it's kind of like, if God told you to do this against your most formidable enemy, would you be encouraged? <laughs> I mean, this is not an awe-inspiring plan. But, 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 but what is God doing? I mean, what, what's the key lesson here? The key lesson for you and me here is what? Does God need people to walk around and, and blow trumpets and shout? He's just, he's just finding out if they'll show up. You know what Christianity is? It's showing up. God does all the heavy lifting. It's showing up, right? His people show up. Oh, what happens? The walls come down. When God's people show up, God shows up. It always happens like this. All you got to do, I, I referenced it earlier, God gives faith. God is the object of faith. All you have to do is show up. He's doing all the heavy lifting, beloved. All you have to do, Hebrews 11.6, all you have to do is believe He's God. Believe He's good. You know, stop wringing your hands. Life's too short to wring your hands. So, what's the deal with Rahab? She's a prostitute. I love this about God, right? She's a prostitute. She gets her own verse in Hebrews 11. David didn't. Gideon didn't. Samuel didn't. She gets her very own verse. You know how much God loved this prostitute, right? Right? Where else is she mentioned? Anybody know? 
in the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, I think it is. She's the great, 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 or something, something, something of Boaz and Ruth or something. I don't know all the details. I don't keep the minutiae in my head. So, God loved this prostitute. I love this. I just love this about God, right? He's a prostitute in Hebrews 11. You know, people say, Jim, I can't do Hebrews 11, man. It's too big for me. Of course it's too big for you. But you can do it if what? You believe and show up. Just show up. Believe God's God and show up. It's what we're talking about, beloved. It's what we're talking about. So do you see what a little faith and showing up can do? <laughs> yeah, she's in Hebrews 11. It's called, listen, it's called, and this is what Francis Chan was talking about, John Piper's talking about in the two books we study. It's called exercised faith. I, I, it's not that I just have faith. I have faith I exercise. I do my faith. I obey God. You know, you hear the world talking about, well, that's a faith. I have my faith. I, I, it's personal. It's my faith. It's my faith position. This is my faith. They're always talking about faith. Listen, don't talk like that in the world. If you're a real Christian, you talk about Jesus Christ, okay? You don't talk about God generically in the world. You talk about Jesus Christ in the world. You don't talk about your faith generically in the world. You talk about Jesus Christ in the world. Listen, you only have, you know, a finite time on this planet. A friend of ours just died. Bam. Just, you know, I think he was, of course it's old to you, but not so old to me. <laughs> he was in his late 50s. Use, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Make much of Jesus with the time that He has given you. So, 32 to 34, you heard the text read. He gives us a list here of some of the, the, the guys in the Old Testament. And He tells us what by faith they did. They conquered kingdoms. They performed acts of righteousness. They obtained promises. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong and became mighty in war, put armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. They're beginning in verse 35. So they exercised their faith. They believed God was God. They believed God was good. So they just decided, hey, I can obey Him. He's competent. He's a competent God. I'll obey this God. I can do it. And God puts His mighty power. El Shaddai, El Shaddai puts His power on display, right? For the whole world to marvel at. Right? As He does these great works in the lives of these people. I'll just pull David out of the crowd. I love David. Okay, who doesn't love David, right? Who doesn't love David? He's this little punk kid, right? He's like, I don't know, 12 or something. Maybe he's 13. I don't know. And the whole Jewish army is afraid of Goliath. And David is indignant. This little boy is indignant, right? You know how the text goes. I mean, Goliath was this fighting machine. And David steps in front of him with a stick, a sling, and a couple of rocks. And one more thing. What else did David have? 
He loved, he loved, he loved the true God. And the true God loved him. Gives me goosebumps. He was fearless, man. <laughs> he steps in front of this giant. I love what David says. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that taunts the armies of God? He said, I'll go fight them. You know, and I'll go fight him. And Saul says, you can't fight him. You're a punk. And, and he says, I can. David, has, David says, the, the Lord has delivered me from the lion and the bear. I'll kill this guy too. <laughs> Don't you love this? You know, the lion and the bear was just a prelude to Goliath. This is how it works in your life. You, you, you know, God just t- keeps taking you up the ladder. <laughs> it's, it's harder next time. But the disclosure is greater. The joy is bigger. And David comes to Goliath. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, whom you have taunted this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down. I will remove your head. And then he says this amazing thing. And this is why you're supposed to live faith in the world. Okay? If you call yourself a Christian, some of you may not be Christians. I get it. But if you call yourself a Christian... This is why you live this way. This is why you do Hebrews 11. That all the earth may know there is a God. Old Testament context in Israel. In our context, in the church of Jesus Christ, there is a living God. This is why we do exploits in the world. Explosive faith in the marriage, at the job, at the university. That the whole earth may know that there is a God. God gets famous when we exercise our Hebrews 11 faith. Now, you get to verse 35, God turns a corner on us. Again, as I referenced earlier, so... We won't have cotton candy notions about what it means to follow Jesus. That we're not, we're not following Santa Claus. We're not following some genie in a bottle. Uh, we're following the living God who does all things according to His sovereign purpose, whether we like it or not. Whether it's comfortable for us or not. So God turns a corner. He is a full disclosure God. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3.12 So contrary to the false gospel of the prosperity preachers, yeah, you need to get off that junk. Because if you love Jesus, the heat's going to come. At some point in your life, I don't know in what, by what avenue or in what venue, but the heat will come. The heat will come. And you're going to have to decide for God or against God. It's the decision that... You know, we're always at Kadesh Barnea, right? We're always at Kadesh Barnea. We're either going to go in with God or we're going to stand here and be afraid and just go back to Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's be slaves. Let's be losers. Let's be afraid. Or I'm going to go... I'm going to go with God and get everything I've ever dreamt of. Even if I'm sawn in two. It's God's invitation to His people. So I want you to see this. Uh, Verse uh, 35, 
You heard the text read. Let me just briefly summarize. Here in verse 35, they were tortured, uh, not accepting release. In order that they maintain, uh, maintain a better uh, resurrection, they experienced mockings and scourgings and yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. This is not the prosperity gospel. You don't ever hear a prosperity preacher preaching Hebrews 11 verses 35 on. You never hear it. You will never hear it. It's because they're preaching half the truth. It's what they do. So, I want you to see this. Their sufferings, their defeats, their trials, their martyrdom came by faith. Like the victories before came by faith, the, the defeats and the trials and the afflictions and the persecutions came by faith. We need to understand that. They came by faith. There's no break after verse 33 when he says, by faith they conquered, by faith they were sawn in two. There's no break. It's by faith. All of this is done by faith. So, by faith, victory and deliverance, by faith, suffering and death. We are not preoccupied with the me-centered outcome of of the circumstance we are preoccupied with the God-centered one. So, their suffering was by faith. If you look at verse 39, you see all these gained approval through their faith. Those who got the victory, those who were sawn in two, God says all these gained approval through their faith. The circumstance doesn't ultimately matter. The world, thinks, the world thinks you lost. Who cares what the world thinks? God knows you won. Oh, He got sawn in two. That's a bad deal. <laughs> hey, when, when you get up there, you go talk to Isaiah and see if he'd change anything. I'm pretty sure they're talking about Isaiah. You can ask him when you see him. You can ask him when you see him. Look at verse 34 and then verse 37. I want you to see this. By faith, verse 34, some escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, verse 37, some were put to death by the sword. Do you see the picture here? Right? It's clear. <laughs> it's clear. By faith, victory. By faith, martyrdom. It's all faith. I believe He's God. I believe He's good. I'm preaching this because I don't want you folks that read Crazy Love and don't waste your life and are leaving. I don't want you to have half the truth. I want you to know that if you really go with Jesus, it's going to cost. It's not cheap to go with Jesus. It's not. It never has been. And it never will be. You know, real Christianity always comes down to whether you're okay with God being sovereign and whatever God brings your way, it's in the sovereign providence of God and, I, I, and I'm okay with that. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've met 
in ministry all of these years who are really not okay with the sovereign providence of God. They're not okay with it. Because right now I'm hurting and, I, I, and it's hard and, it's, and I'm going to lose everything. I'm not okay with that. If God says I'm working for your good in it, are you not okay with it? Do you see... Do you see how when trial comes, it really it reveals who we are to ourselves first. God already knows who we are. He knows if we're playing a game or if we love Him. He knows that. But you need to know if you're playing a game or if you love Him. You need to know. I need to know. We need to know these things. So this is real Christianity, right? This is real Christianity. Verses 33 to 34, Hebrews 11. By the faith of his people, God displayed his raw power and he delivered them. Verses 35 to 38. In the faith of his people, God displayed his utter sufficiency to both his people in the world as he spiritually satisfied the heart, soul, mind, and imagination of those of his people in severe distress. God satisfies His people in severe distress. We saw it with Stephen. He was stoned. Daniel delivered Stephen's stone. And Jesus revealed Himself to Stephen. You may remember the text. So, God unleashes His power in faith and God unleashes His beauty in faith. The circumstance at the end of the day on the far side of eternity, you will not care one whit about the circumstance. What you will care about is that I made much of Jesus in the victory or in the trial. Right? I made much of Jesus when, when the blessing came and I made much of Jesus when I got the cancer diagnosis. I do both things because I love Him. I heard Piper say this week, John Piper, American preacher. He said, if you can come to me tonight and tell me that you have something that will make me happy and full and give me pleasure forever, I'll, become, I'll stop being a Christian right now. But you know what he said? <laughs> he said, you can't do it. That's why I read Psalm 16.11. No such thing exists. Forever is forever. Fullness is full. No other, nothing else on the planet gives you or will give you or can give you what God gives to His people in Jesus Christ. So I want you to understand this. Yeah, it's great to talk about you know, the guys that were delivered by the sword. That's great. You know, we, yeah, rah, rah, rah. That's cool. That's beautiful. But in a, in a sense... It's way more powerful. Those who were martyred because in their life the beauty of God's on display. The satisfaction of God is on display. Which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Their lives, their trials, their miseries, their sufferings, their deaths shout that God is better than my momentary affliction. So, what does, the, what does real faith believe in the moment of torture? That if God delivered me, if God loved me, He would deliver me? No. 
Not exactly. Real faith believes that God is better than the miracle of deliverance. And if you know Him tonight, you have some small sense of just how true that is. And I want to say to you, you know, we have people that come through this church and they go back to hard places and they talk to me about it. Here's, here's the thing I know. In my own life, in living in a relatively tamed part of the world, but talking to people who go back to hard places, God will meet you in the hard place. <laughs> he will meet you in the hard place. He will be beautiful to you in the hard place. He will disclose Himself to you in the hard place. This is what God has always done. Two and four. His people. When you can have it all, faith says God is better. When you lose it all, faith says God is better. I guess my question is, do you believe that and will you live that? I abhor academic Christianity. Don't be academic with this, right? You're supposed to do this stuff, man. You're supposed to believe this stuff and do this stuff. It's what God has called us to do. And what is life about anyway? What is your life about? It's about getting a lot of stuff, Jim. I live in the West or in prosperous places elsewhere. And I know what life is about. It's about getting the perfect spouse and the perfect kids and the perfect job, the perfect career, the perfect house. Did I say that already? Whatever. The perfect... I'm supposed to have perfect stuff. You know, that's the perfect life. Can I tell you how wrong this is? Can I tell you that the world is selling you garbage? Or I'll use a word that Paul used. The world is selling you dung. Life is about getting God. It's about getting God. That's what life is meant to be. So, you know the end of Steve Saint's story. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. His father was martyred with Jim Elliott and the others. Steve's aunt, Rachel, and Jim's wife, Elizabeth, ultimately lived with the Aka Indians and evangelized them. Missionary applications greatly increased after the martyrdom of these five men. Uh, thousands of missionaries point to the martyr martyrdom of these men as the event God used to move them to become missionaries. Minke, who was in on the killing, one of the Aka Indians, ultimately became the adopted grandfather of Steve Saint's children. They call him Pop. God's doing stuff you can't imagine. Okay? You can't imagine what God's doing. Why would God let these five men die? Because precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His godly ones. And not only that, I'm going to save people through it. Listen, stop questioning God. Let God be God in your life. Let Him be God. You just be you. Listen, there's, nothing, there's not a better life in the world than to just be you. Stop trying to be more than you are. Just be you in Christ. Right? Just be you in Christ. Just, you know, love Christ and, and love the people around you by the power of Christ. You know, He made you for a reason. You're not junk. He made you for a reason. It means to be magnified through you. You matter. Your life matters forever because you're in Christ. Beloved, this is a big deal. This is, this is, this is a big deal. So Steve Saint says, you know, countless lives have been changed by 
what God did through my father and his colleagues. Don't tell me God wasn't sovereign in the death of my dad. Don't tell me that. He said, if I had to change it, I would not change a thing. This is a man who lost his father at the age of five. Real faith loves and trusts God when it is hard and inexplicable. It's like Peter says in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. <laughs> you have suffered various trials. What is the great word he uses there? Because it's necessary. <laughs> it's necessary that your faith be tested. Does God need to know if your faith is real? No, you need to know. You need to know if it's real. Oops. Oops. You need to know that it's real. So, I'm going to close with this simple illustration. Um, I've used it many times. But you know, you've seen the under, under a tapestry, right? You've seen under the tapestry. What does it look like under the tapestry? It looks like a mess. But what does it look like above the tapestry? It's a masterpiece. God's perspective is above. <laughs> Our perspective is below. It looks like a mess sometimes. A lot of the times. But God's doing a masterpiece. In all the micro aspects of your life, if you will allow Him to do this. Let me close with a Piper quote. John Piper, American preacher. Faith is utterly in love with all that God will be for us beyond the grave. Faith loves God more than life. Faith loves God more than family. Faith loves God more than job, more than money, more than dream houses, more than retirement. Faith says whether God handles me tenderly or gives me over to torture, I love Him. He is my reward. And if you will get that and own that, you are free to be a radical disciple in the world. You will do crazy love. You will do don't waste your life. You will do it. <laughs> You're free to do it. You have no hindrances. And I'm just going to point out here real quick, chapter 12, what's the first word? Hope, I don't know what translation you're looking at. What's the first word in chapter 12, verse 1 of your translation? What is it? Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore what? What is he saying? What is God saying? Therefore, look, he says, listen, look at all these 16 people. Look how they loved me. Look how they lived for me. Look how they died for me. And then he says what in chapter 12, verse 1? You, you know, he, you're not finished with Hebrews 11 until you read chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, you go do it. It's what he says. That's my paraphrase. You go do it. And he says, throw off all the encumbrances and sin that holds you back. And you be my man. You be my woman in the world, right? Beloved, this is, this is like, this is like so big. It, God changed my life with Hebrews 11. He rocked my world with Hebrews 11. You know, He just did. And, and uh, I hope He rocks yours. <laughs> I hope He rocks yours. God says, therefore, this is how I want you to live. 
Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that we know that Your loving kindness is better than life. It's better than prosperity. It's better than comfort. It's better than ease. It's better than success. It's better than acclaim. Lord God, we confess that You are our reward. And we love You with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, I pray that You would give each one of us the strength to incarnate that in the world. For the glory of Your Son and for our deep and abiding everlasting joy. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.